This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, perma student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Food Factor Podcast. My name is Stephanie Mahachek. I am so glad you're joining me today. To be honest, this episode is kind of on the fly because I had a a good conversation with a fellow nutritionist and we were talking about brain health and we were talking about nutrition and, and kids in relation to brain health and how school is starting back up again. For us, it'll be uh, next week. And for some, it's already started. And for others, it's in a couple of weeks. So getting back into the routine of dinners and after school events and lunches and all of that, it, it kind of can be really stressful on some parents and some people in general. So one of the biggest things that we discussed, her and I, were the fact that kids brain health are struggling right now. They are suffering because of the nutrition that they are exposed to, whether that they're getting certain foods that aren't helping or supporting their brain or whether they aren't getting enough of the foods that are known to support the brain. So I wanted to break down a couple of things today. Again, this is, I don't know how how long this episode's going to be. It might not be very long. There's just a couple of bullet points that I wanted to touch base on based on our conversation that I think maybe would be helpful for you if you are a parent or if you are a student or if you are just around kids in general or have an interest in nutrition for kids, um, you can stick around for this episode. So just to kind of bring everything into context, I obviously don't need to explain to you what the brain is or what it does. I mean, we're all pretty familiar with that at this point. It's it's memory, it's emotion, it's breathing, it's body temperature, it's thirst, sleep, hunger. All of those things are controlled in your brain in various areas. We don't need to dissect each area, although it'd be kind of fun to do at, at some point. Uh, but... We tend to think of our brains when something is wrong. We tend to think of it when somebody is diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or dementia, or if there's Parkinson's or some sort of, you know, sleep disorders, you might think more about your brain. And honestly, though, at some point, you will likely know somebody who has one of those brain conditions. There's a statistic that brain diseases of any sort affect one in six people. And that honestly seemed not what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be more, to be to be honest. But these diseases are now being linked directly to inflammation, but more specifically, inflammation caused by chemicals, toxins, things in the environment, not getting enough nutrients, getting too much of certain things that are in our foods, So it's really kind of interesting the effect that nutrition has on your brain. Outside of nutrition, though, your brain and the brain of kids or children, you can kind of think of it in like six, five or six different buckets. That's how I kind of look at it. Like when I'm specifically talking about brain health, I think of it in terms of about five different buckets of things that impact the brain and the health of your brain or your children's brain. One is stress, stress reduction, reducing the load of stress. And when we talk about stress, it can be both physical stress and emotional and mental stress. So kind of keep that in mind because people don't always differentiate the two. 
uh, emotional or mental kind of stress is, is what we typically re- think of when it comes to stress. I'm so stressed out. I have so much anxiety. I'm thinking about all these things. You know, that's the kind of stress that most people think. But you don't understand that there's also a physical stressor. If you're not getting enough sleep, that is a physical stressor on your body. If you are sick, that is a physical stressor on your body. Obviously, if you break a bone or if you overexercise, those are all physical stressors on your body that's pushing your body past the balance or the homeostasis point. And that can cause elevated stressor hormones to be released and different reactions like that to happen. So stressors, both physical and emotional, can impact your brain health. And even some studies are showing that the longer you are under emotional stress, even even perceived emotional stress, whether that that stressor is real or not, is impacting the health of your brain, which is fascinating when you think of I think of virtual reality games when I when they're talking about perceived or, or you know perceived stressors because obviously when you're playing a virtual reality game that is not a real threat. You're not it's not a real physical threat, but emotionally you think it is. So that's kind of what we're talking about here. And this kind of comes into play when I'm talking with clients who have a lot of perceived stress Whether or not it's validated or not, whether it's a real thing that they're worried about or not, to them it's real. So I don't know if that made sense, but whether or not, like if somebody is is really stressed out about the potential for something to happen to their child or the potential to something to happen to them, it doesn't matter if that potential is real or not. It's a perceived threat. And that perceivedness, that person thinks it is real that can impact the chemistry in their brain, which can cause a degradation in their brain health. It can cause a need for certain nutrients to help support the brain health. So it's all kind of tied together. And I wanted to make that clear if hopefully I did. So stress is a big part of brain health and and mostly stress reduction and stress management. Sidebar, I do want to point out the difference between stress management and stress reduction. A lot of people, when I ask, are you, are, do you have a lot of stress? They say, yes. I say, are you managing it well? And usually they're like, yeah, it's okay. I just kind of handle it. Just handling, you know, big air quotes here, just handling stress is not the same as reducing stress. You're adapting to your stress. You're not reducing the amount of stress you have. There's a difference. When you actually reduce the stress, that means your body is in a good set point and it's a, and you're responding in a healthy way to a stressor. Simply adapting to a stressor doesn't necessarily lower those stress hormones in your body. You just adapt to a higher level of stress. It doesn't reduce the stress hormones and also inflammation and all the things that are caused with stress. So Reach out to me if you need further clarification on that, because I know sometimes it can be tricky or if you have to replay that particular part of the episode, please do, because I want you to grasp that. I want you to understand that there's a difference between reducing your stress and managing your stress. So another thing that goes hand in hand with brain health is exercise. Exercise is so important, but as we just talked about, over-exercising can tip the, tip the scales in the other way. So if you are over-exercising, so people who are training for Ironmans and triathlons and, and doing 
an overload of exercise to the point where your body can't recover properly or you're not fueling your body properly to help aid in recovery, that is a physical stressor on your body and can cause a degradation in your brain health. Exercise is not only a great way to lower, reduce stress, like we just talked about, but it also creates reactions and responses in your body that helps boost your brain health. This would be like the endorphins that we get, the happy chemicals that are released. These are all supportive and actually help lower inflammation in your brain. So it's really fascinating when we think about that. But I want to put this in context to children. So we all think that our kids are so active. They're always running around, whatever. Not today. They really aren't as active as they once were. There's a lot of screen time. There's a lot of sitting in school when school starts back up again. Um, if I ed or gym or PE, whatever you want to call it, is in most schools now, if it's offered at all, it's once a week for like 30 or 45 minutes. It's once a week. So they're not getting that every day. When there's recess, sometimes the kids are running around depending on the age, but a lot of times they're sitting talking with their friends. So kids are not as active and think about how that can impact their brain health. So a couple of things that are kind of a little bit more uh, against our kids is the fact that they, one, are not as active. Two, they have a lot more perceived stress thanks to social media and other things. And as we'll talk about in a second, their nutrition is lacking in certain areas. Also sleep, but we'll get to all of that. So exercise, super important. Does not have to be a ton. That's the fun part. It doesn't have to be a ton of, you know, hoofing it at the gym and going there for three hours a day or whatever. That would be the over-exercising portion. It could literally just be 30 minutes of dancing or walking around or um, biking, swimming, jogging, lifting weights, doing a circuit. Like my, one of my favorite things to do to have uh, with clients or have clients do is, um, set up a little circuit in your yard and bring your kids out there. So one circuit might be for 30 seconds or doing jumping jacks. One might be uh, jump rope. One might be push-ups. One might be throwing a medicine ball, whatever. And you all just rotate after 30 seconds. So it can be a lot more fun and you're incorporating the whole family and you're getting a total body workout in like 30 minutes or so. So just an example there. So exercise, super important. Another thing I just alluded to is sleep. Sleep and brain health go hand in hand. Your sleep and your brain, your brain is regenerating. It's, it's, I don't want to say regenerating. It makes it sound like you're growing a second brain, but your, your, your body, your brain, your body, your organs, all your systems are recovering overnight when you are getting a good amount of sleep. If you are not in a relaxation stage or if you're not getting enough of the sleep, it can not only be a stressor on your body and cause inflammation, but it prevents your body from healing itself, from detoxifying itself, from doing the things that it needs to do overnight while we are in rest mode and you miss out on that. So it can really be a, a negative thing. Not only that, but when we start talking more uh, integrative kind of medicine, integrative nutrition, and how all things are connected. If you don't get enough sleep, especially chronically, how does that impact your food choices the next day? How does that impact your ability or want or desire to exercise the next day? It all is connected and it is a vicious cycle when we don't get enough sleep. So in previous episodes, I have talked about a domino goal, meaning what is one goal that you can get achieve and that 
trickles into other goals. That is a domino goal. Sleep is usually most people's main one because when you can get a good amount of sleep, you set up a good sleep hygiene routine at night, you work your way into it, that can really set the stage for the next day to eat a little bit healthier, make better, uh, more supportive food choices for yourself, wanting to exercise, move more in general, all the things. So sleep, super important. And again, our kids may or may not be getting enough sleep. And when they aren't getting enough sleep, that sets the stage for their mood and their behavior and their ability to concentrate in school and their ability to follow directions. And all of, all of the things that we tend to hyper-focus on as parents, is that impacted by sleep? Is it? Is it? Is sleep kind of one of the missing factors in your child's life? So sleep, super important for brain health. Uh, another thing, and before I talk about the, the food and nutrition part of it, another thing that goes without um, recognition a lot is socialization. Socialization and, and the need to connect with other people is super important for your brain. We saw this a lot and a lot of research came out, especially through COVID, when isolation was a huge health impactor for a lot of people during COVID. And especially people when they are a little bit more advanced in years and maybe they don't have a lot of family or friends around anymore, or maybe they're in isolation, you know, in a certain uh, living situation or whatever, their health can take a massive decline because of the fact they're not socializing. We are pack animals as humans. We are pack animals. That is how we survived from the beginning by you, you, form a pack, you form a tribe, you form whatever, and you work together to all survive. So we still have that deep down in our DNA. And now with social media and with all these uh, other areas of our health or areas of our life that revolves around socialization, sometimes we've, we're noticing that we're more isolated than before because we are not actually connecting with people. We're not talking, we're not communicating as much as we did, you know, 20, 30 years ago, because we're, now we're just on social media in front of a screen and maybe liking or commenting or sharing something that somebody's posting, but it's not the same as getting a physical connection and a communication with somebody. So again, think about your children when it comes to this, because this is kind of geared towards kids' brain health. But when we can expose our children to communication in a healthy way and set up things like play dates or if they're on sports teams or um, if they're homeschooled, you know, finding different co-ops and different things to join. So they get that socialization factor. It is a huge impact, a huge benefit to their brain health. Okay. Let's dive in to my bread and butter, literally, which is food, food and nutrition. These are the things that I love talking the most about, and especially when it comes to your brain. So I want to go, there's so much we can talk about when it comes to nutrition and brain health, um, but I want to touch base on a couple of nutrients specifically that are really important when it comes to improving the health of your brain. I'm going to talk a few about things that, that you want to make sure you're getting, and then I'll talk about a few things that can actually hinder or impact the health of your brain in a negative way. So vitamin D is one of the things that you definitely want to make sure you and your children are getting enough of. In North America, if you happen to be listening to us in North America, most of us, the further you get away from the equator, most of us are lacking or deficient or low in vitamin D. 
I would have, I would definitely recommend you get your vitamin D levels checked. You can do this at the doctor's, just a simple blood test. When you're going in for, you know, your annual visits or what have you, have them run your vitamin D levels. You need to know where you're starting at before you just throw a bunch of supplements at yourself or your kids or whatever, because how you supplement is based on where your levels are at. I think I've talked about this before, but if, if you haven't heard me say it before, If you get your vitamin D levels checked and you come back and you're borderline low, that's a different dose of vitamin D supplement that you would need. Whereas if you checked your levels and they are really low, you don't want to take a maintenance dose of vitamin D. You want to take a massive dose of vitamin D to help boost those numbers up over the course of a couple of months. So don't just take a massive dose just thinking you're low. You want to make sure you get it checked. So vitamin D, though, is one of those things. You can get it through some foods like uh, salmon, um, eggs, milk if it's fortified or added to it. Uh, of course, the sun, but um, that has its own risks, of course, and it's hard to tell how much vitamin D you're actually getting from the sun. But supplementation may be necessary for people who are lacking in some of those. Fun fact, too. Uh, If you are eating grass-fed beef or uh, free-range chicken, they will actually, that meat actually has a little bit higher amounts of vitamin D in it than conventionally raised uh, poultry or cow, just because they're out in the sun. They're out in the the grass, the fresh air. They're getting the sun uh, converted in their skin, just like we do, and then it can uh, actually show up in their meat, so it's a little bit higher. Anyway, so vitamin D, super important, but make sure you're getting your levels checked before you just throw a supplement at it. But vitamin D does help, and it has been shown to help reduce the risk for brain disorders like Alzheimer's disease and dementia, and even certain behavioral issues can be um, somewhat reduced by having adequate amount of vitamin D. So another thing that if you are able to tolerate whole grains, getting enough whole grains in your diet is important. Whole grains contain B vitamins. Like we talked last episode, all about the vitamin Bs, all the B vitamins. These are crucial for brain health. Not only that, it's important for energy, cellular metabolism and energy development. So this is needs to happen also in your brain. Your brain cells need B vitamins to help convert energy into usable things for your brain. So not getting enough B vitamins can can impact that it can hinder that we do get a lot of uh, b vitamins from whole grains also fiber is super important there's a whole brain gut connection fiber in your gut and making sure you're feeding the good guys the good bacteria in your gut can really help support your brain so whole grains are really important for that if you are not able to tolerate whole grains that's okay like we talked about last episode there are uh, other foods that contain b vitamins that aren't whole grains. So you can uh, check out that episode if you need some ideas on other foods to get if you're not able to tolerate grains or if you're gluten-free. Certain spices are also really important for brain health. They contain what's called flavonoids. Flavonoids are compounds that actually help improve blood flow to the brain and muscles. And when you do this, it helps to reduce inflammation. So spices like turmeric and ginger and cumin and, you know, all the different spices that you can think of, black pepper, um, chili powder, chili peppers, those all those spices that are really, really pungent and flavorful have flavonoids in them. And each flavonoid, I don't want to get two in the weeds about what flavonoid is in what and which one helps this, that, or other. Just get a good amount of flavonoids. Just get a good amount of spices. Add some spice. Introduce your kids to different spices and cooking with spices. 
Um, it can really be beneficial. And similar to when I've talked about eating a rainbow of, of veggies, get a rainbow of spices. They have the most beautiful colors when it, we're talking about curries and garlic powders and garlics and all those things. They have beautiful different colors and you can get a variety of flavonoids by focusing on different spices. Also, dark chocolate. Dark chocolate has flavonoids in it as well, also some antioxidants, and it can help to improve the blood flow to the brain. It helps reduce inflammation. You get a lot of good components and properties from it. The darker, the better. The more bitter, the better. So I know it's not exactly most kids' favorite form of chocolate, but if you can, again, start to introduce that, maybe start with like a 70% cacao or an 80% cacao or whatever, or just put little shavings of dark chocolate in things like smoothies or brownies or whatever you're making, just to start to get them exposed to different levels of chocolate, um, that can actually help. It can provide a benefit to their brains. Um, of course, I'm going to talk about omega-3 fatty acids. That's probably the most recognized and the most known food component when it comes to brain health. But really, when you think about it, it's the polyunsaturated fats that helps to reduce inflammation in the brain. It also has uh, benefits for heart health as well for similar properties. So getting omega-3 fatty acids in the form of like fatty fish, like salmon or sardines or tuna, um, these are the things, though, that you would want to... not reduce, but you want to limit to maybe once or twice a week. Um, Those fishes specifically, just because of the uh, mercury levels that are uh, within them. But you can still get other fishes like tilapia or cod. If your family is really big on fish, that's okay as well. Just kind of rotate them around and get a good mix and a good variety. So you're not always having the same one every single day. Um, But yeah, the omega-3 fatty acids is really beneficial for brain health to help with reducing some of that inflammation and providing some key nutrients for your brain cells. Other foods uh, with omega-3s like nuts and seeds and olives, avocados, those are all pretty high in omega-3s as well and provide other things like magnesium and fiber Um, which of course we've already kind of talked about that's super beneficial for your brain as well. Now, I, of course, I'm going to mention fruits and vegetables, leafy greens, dark colored berries like blackberries or raspberries or blueberries, a huge wide variety of colors of fruits and vegetables is really important because of the fact that they have phytonutrients. So the phytonutrients and flavonoids are a little bit different. Phyto means plant. Nutrients is nutrients. Phytonutrients means nutrients from plants. That's literally how it's broken down. So uh, phytonutrients are what you're going to see in fruits and vegetables and other plant-based food or nutrient components. So phytonutrients, again, you don't need to necessarily worry about which phytonutrient does what. Um, It's more the colors. You want to get a wide variety of different colors, eating the rainbow, if you will, like we've talked about before. Not taste the rainbow, that's Skittles, but eat the rainbow. That is multiple different colors of lots of reds and blues and purples and greens and orange and yellows, all the different colors that you can possibly get. The bigger the variety, the better, because you want to get the different phytonutrients. A green thing and a yellow thing have maybe similar nutrients in there, but the phytonutrients is what gives it its color. So if you only eat green things, then you're missing out on the specific phytonutrients that give something a red color because you're only eating green things. So they might have similar components to them, but 
that is what gives a food its color is the phytonutrients within it. So that's why I'm saying eating a rainbow is best. You don't have to worry about which phytonutrient and how much of this and that and whatever one to get. Just eat a variety of colors. A good rule of thumb is if you can't get, you know, every single color in every single day, that's fine. Most people probably don't, but aim to get three or four different colors. So that might be you're going to get a red apple and an orange piece of cantaloupe and a green spinach salad and, you know, a yellow bell pepper, whatever. It could look like that. Different different colors, different nutrients, different foods, but get a variety. An easy way to do this is a smoothie, of course, and also a salad. Like You can put a lot of different colors in a salad if you have like green mixed leafy veggies and then you're putting tomatoes on it and you're putting carrots on it and you're putting cut up bell peppers on it or squash or whatever. Uh, It's a really easy way to get a lot of colors in and you're getting all those nutrients and those phytonutrients are super important for not only feeding the cells of your brain, helping with blood flow to the brain and also reducing inflammation and anything that that can cause inflammation in your body can cause inflammation in your brain and we don't want inflamed brains. That's when you get brain fog. That's when you get different uh, brain disorders, behavior issues, Um, long-term inflammation can cause more of the chronic illnesses like uh, dementia and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and that's more of the long term but we want to try and reduce any inflammation in the body but definitely reduce it in the brain. Coffee and tea although I know most kids probably aren't drinking a whole lot of coffee and tea or, or you know most likely they're not but black uh, black tea green tea can really help with and again these are the flavonoids these are the uh, different uh, components within the tea itself that can help with that it helps to improve memory it helps reduce inflammation um, but if you know it's not necessarily like I'm saying go out and have your kids drink a bunch of black coffee uh, if you happen to drink tea in your family and you want your kids to start drinking a little bit that's up to you but um, but more specifically for you getting a few cups of, of black tea green tea ginger tea you know, all sorts of different kind of teas can help uh, with your brain health as well. Now, I want to talk about a few things to watch out for that could hinder your brain health. One of which is saturated fats is one of the things that kind of like waxes and wanes a little bit in the nutrition industry. Um, Saturated fats are going to be found in animal products. So if you happen to be vegan, if you happen to be vegetarian, this doesn't really apply to you. But saturated fats are... um, shown to cause inflammation and can increase your risk for brain issues and brain disorders like Alzheimer's disease. But I'm not convinced that we shouldn't have any form of saturated fat. I think finding that balance and reducing it, especially if this is a big contributor for you, if you're having a lot of red meat or if you're having a lot of dairy or or animal products, I think it's okay that you just start to reduce it, not necessarily eliminate it and turn vegetarian unless you want to. Um, There is room for most things in most people's diets, so finding what you're consuming the most, especially if you are worried about your or your child's brain health, let's take a look at the saturated fat content. Let's like take a look at the sources, you know, things like cheese and things like whole milk and um, like I said, beef and, and different, you know, fattier cuts of meat like that. If you're having those most days of the week, maybe start to reduce it and add some more plant based meals during the week. That might be a good place to start. Also, the things to kind of watch out for are anything that are going to, that anything that's going to cause inflammation in your body, like I kind of already mentioned. So in kids' diets, this would be high fructose corn syrup. 
Um, lots of other added sugary or artificial sweeteners. Preservatives like those are found that are like in hot dogs, like the nitrates and nitrites, like the preservatives in, in deli meats and hot dogs and corn dogs and all these processed meats that our kids are exposed to, especially if you're doing some school lunches or if they're eating like at concession stands, like at sporting events or whatever. Um, those are might be a big contributor in their diet. It's causing inflammation in their brain. It can cause different uh, toxins and things to be in their body now, and then their their body has to basically fight those. So, looking at your child's diet, anything that has uh, food colorings in it. So, think of things that are artificially colored, candy or things, uh, even in cereals or yogurts or ice creams or things that have a color to them are most likely colored artificially. And those artificial dyes are actually being linked to behavior issues. You know, one of the most common ones or, or more well-known ones that is being studied is the yellow number five. There's uh, blue, I think it's blue number two or something like that. There's a whole bunch of them. But there are, anytime you see artificial colors and you'll see them on the ingredient label so take a peek if you're seeing artificial colors that might be a food or a drink to maybe reduce in your child's diet especially if they are having cognitive or behavior issues it's worth it to test it out and just try it out for a couple of weeks and see if reducing them or eliminating them from their diet for a couple of weeks impacts their brain health and how they're acting and their moods and their sleep and all of that. There's a lot of hyperactivity being linked to different food colorings and food dyes and food preservatives. So if this is a concern for you or your child, definitely try and test it out and just be your own detective and think like, how does my child act if we if we really focus on cutting those out just for a couple of weeks? Let's just see if there's a change, if there's a, an issue or, or a reduction in behavior issues. You may or may not see it in, in two weeks and that's okay. It's it's not going to hurt anything to cut those foods out. It's only going to possibly help them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at things like Gatorade and Prime and anything that is added with coloring or flavorings. These are the things to really zero in on. Not to say you have to take out everything right now, like overnight, because that would, would make for some very cranky kids. But just take a look and maybe gradually start to reduce or swap in other things, other options that they can have instead and see how they respond. See if there's a reduction in some of the, the behavior issues or sleep issues or digestive issues or skin issues. Um, a lot of that can be linked to those components specifically. All right, this, again, this is a topic I can go on and on about, and I probably have rambled on a lot longer than you care to hear, but I wanted to touch base just on a few of those things, especially when it comes to brain health, because like I said, I was talking with my friend who's a, another nutritionist, and um, she had a few clients that were concerned, especially with the upcoming school year, and they were concerned about their uh, children and, and concentration and focus and how to feed them, and, you know, kind of starts all over again in the fall for everybody, so... Uh, I, again, I had mentioned this a, a few episodes ago, but I do have the free handout. It's called the Lunchbox Generator. So if you are struggling, if you are racking your brain, if you are worried about what to pack for your kids' lunches for school, um, you can download that free Lunchbox Generator guide. And it goes through a few things. It, it's how I feed my kids and how I teach my kids to what to look for, even if they're having school lunch. They pick out certain 
specific elements of food to make sure that they're getting a balanced array of nutrients no matter where they're eating. So it's something that's a useful tool, a useful resource that you can download for free. I'll put the link below. It's also on the freebies tab on my website at foodfactornutrition.com. And if you have any questions on that, I also give a couple of sample ideas on on different lunchbox ideas that are go beyond just sandwiches all the time because that can kind of get boring. But uh, go ahead and download that if you uh, if you'd like. And if you have questions or if you have specific concerns around your or your family or your kids' health or nutrition, reach out to me. I have free consultations that I do. They're free twenty minute consults. We just discuss what your concerns are. I talk about my approach to nutrition and if that fits with what you're looking for. And if we're a good match, we can continue talking together. If not, that's totally fine too. It'd be nice to meet you. Nice to talk to you. No pressure at all. So go ahead and set that up. I put the link below. You can also find that on my website as well. I hope everyone listening is having a wonderful rest of the summer. And if you are about to start school, I hope you have a wonderful school year. This is going to be an awesome year. I just know it. And if you need anything, please reach out to me. I would be happy to talk to you. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Food Factor Podcast. It is my personal mission to help people make the best food choices that they can for their particular situation. So if you found this episode helpful, I would be so grateful if you would share it with a friend or a family member or somebody who needs to hear this information and also leave me a review. Those are the things that help get this podcast seen and heard by more people who could use the help as well. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening.